cares for me I'm happy as I can be I've learned to love and to live Devil may care afternoon and welcome to the latest episode of Harmonious World. My name is Hilary Seabrook and for this episode I'm joined by Canadian pianist Jim Clayton who has released a new album called Look Out and it marks the first time of him performing vocals on a record. He's joined by his trio of Herlin Riley and Amina Scott uh, with a load of standards which are absolutely stunning. So Moon River, This Can't Be Love, etc. And what you're listening to right now is Jim's version of Devil May Care, which is just lovely. Thank you for joining me once more, and I hope you enjoy listening to my conversation with Jim Clayton. That's why I'll live and I'll die. How are you doing? I'm excellent. And my wife wanted to uh, me to say hello because um, uh, oh. she's a... Uh... Oh, wow. <laughs> That's cool. Are, is, are, we, uh, are we already taping it? I should mention I'm holding up uh, a Scott Style Council album, two, e- two EPs as well. Yeah, so, there you go. Yeah, I, we're I... already recording. I'm on it. Okay, well, I'm glad I explained in case it's, uh, someone's listening in an audio-only format. I forget sometimes. Uh, yeah, and in fact, um, I am still only doing audio, so the the visual is just to help us chat. And the glasses are just for your uh, just for us. Very yeah. stylish. <laughs> well, they're, they're because I'm I've got loads of notes, and otherwise, oh, okay. I, I'm at that point in my in my life where I can't always see everything that I think I can. I'm so. there. I've got reading glasses, but not within reach. So, all right, let's talk about this album. So, look out. Look out is uh, well. The title uh, comes from track. Uh, is it nine? Track nine? Is it uh, Spider Man? Track nine? I haven't got a copy. Yeah, in front of no, Spider Man is track ten. Uh, track ten. Uh, it's uh, well, of course. Uh, I'm not sure if this is a very UK thing, but this Spider Man series, the animated series from uh it it started airing about a week before i was born 1967 um and it was it still seems fairly ubiquitous on cartoon channels yeah but the tune you know spider-man spider i like playing is it's a minor blues with a bridge is all it is and uh but uh when i was looking for what to call it uh the album i i just uh i liked look out because it sounds like one of those blue note album titles where it's like all the all the musicians are listed and the leader's name is just ever so slightly bigger and bold and then with an exclamation mark there's the big title in the same font very uh, typography uh, oriented right. the, the blue note covers yeah. and uh, lookout seemed perfect and of course it's uh, one of the lines from that's repeated in the Spider-Man theme oh so, yeah so in the end, it starts off sounding like I'm talking about jazz album covers. And in the end, really, I'm just talking about cartoons. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, why not? Uh, if I, I think one of the things I've, I've learned about jazz musicians doing this podcast is that we all have these strange 
kind of, you know, things that we really like, whether that's bird watching or, you know, whatever it is, we've all got something. I think it's, it's what helps you be creative is having something else that's, and it can be like watching cartoons or being obsessed with friends or whatever it is. You know? Well, we need something because, you know, heroin fell out of fashion. So it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, now it's other harmless things. I discovered at one point with my first recording act, uh, Greenhouse, that uh, it was a five-person group and we were playing a pub, a, a restaurant uh, not far from here. And uh, I offered to buy, as I thought was proper, I thought to buy, you know, offered to buy everybody a beer at the first intermission it turns out out of five of us only one drank right and i'm thinking what sort of jazz gig is this, this i is, know it's just i think times have really changed so well yeah i think times have changed but i think also uh some of us of a certain age you know we've been there done that got the t-shirt and actually i don't need to drink anymore so you know. yeah i did i did enough before it was legal exactly all of the legal years i think yeah absolutely so now it's yeah. coffee. Coffee is a constant. Right. Now this album, Lookout, is a departure for you because you are a pianist. I am. How I did try. you dis how did you discover yeah. that you can sing like that? Well, I discovered that I couldn't first, to be fair. I uh I played at a holiday inn, literally a holiday inn hotel near in my hometown when I was seventeen and went to a somebody said oh you should try you should play at latner's tavern this fellow sam latner latner had a place in a in a shopping plaza not far from there so i took my uh you, you, i don't know if you remember the honer pianet oh yeah yeah I, I had a honer yeah. pianet because i couldn't afford or carry a Rhodes on the bus right and uh i had a honer pianet that it wasn't even paid off and I dragged my Honor Pianette down to Latner's Tavern and played for Sam. I played Elton John and uh, Billy Joel, and uh, I hadn't even discovered jazz yet. And he goes, uh, well, you, you play okay, which is probably generous. And he said, you play okay. Uh, can you sing? And I just didn't break eye contact and thought and went, uh, yes. <laughs> like big question mark and uh, figuring well the jig is up he's going to ask to hear me now and i don't you know i had a speech impediment for 10 years when i was a kid so uh singing seemed like it was just pushing my luck and so i never even tried and he instead of saying well can i hear something and then hearing it and going okay maybe just play he uh he said okay well can you do the second and third weekends of whatever back when there were you know full weekend gigs for such things yeah so i it was three weeks away i had three weeks not only to learn enough material vocally to fill an evening uh i had to learn how to sing and i achieved maybe 50 percent of the former and none of the latter uh i didn't know about transposing i didn't know i had a range i didn't know okay. baritone bass anything i literally just didn't sing previously and uh i so you know the first night was me singing songs of the time with my honer pianet and a doctor rhythm from boss the little uh, little drum machine that i barely knew how to use doing things like singing you know caribbean queen well, she's own like 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 Billy Ocean, but down the octave because I didn't know the uh, transposing, and I'm a okay. baritone. The only thing I sang in the right key was some James Taylor, in right. the right key, not in the right pitch necessarily. And at the first break, uh, Sam Lantner came up and said, uh, "Maybe you could, uh, maybe you, maybe you should focus on more instrumentals." 
And being a bit <laughs> oblivious, I didn't just stop singing. I just did more instrumentals, but I continued to sing. I, I didn't realize what was, what uh, at the time, like how rough it, it was. And, uh, but my, my kid brother, you know, reminded me later that in fact, yeah, it wasn't ideal. And it was sour enough that my mother, who was a terminal unit chaplain and had all the kindness and sensitivity and understanding that one would have if you are in professionally the person consoling people as they go to the great beyond. My own mother didn't have it in her to say, well, maybe if you work at it, she just said, yeah, maybe you should stick to piano. So, and I did for about 30 years. And then I got a bee in my bonnet about, you know, maybe if I could, you know, the, I wanted to entertain at the seniors home that not far from us where my daughter, who was then a baby, um, or, or much younger, uh, She's 13 now. She and it was uh, it's getting on six uh, six years ago that I thought oh, I'd like I'd like to sing and if I could because I would play at the singers' home when we would visit and I thought if I could uh, sing every other tune that it wouldn't just turn into background music and I mentioned it to a friend and she said well come over right now I'll give you a lesson she's a vocal coach and I said oh I didn't mean right now and she goes no right now what are you doing if you're not busy get over here right now because you're turning 50 and you were talking about doing this at your 40th birthday party and you haven't done anything yet I'm not going to listen to you talk about this at your 60th birthday party so come over right now and within an hour I was having my first voice lesson and wow. uh, that was about four months before my 50th birthday. The goal was to sing at the seniors' home uh, before I uh, t- before I turned 50, or by the time I turned 50, and I got it in under the wire. It was about two weeks prior. I sang probably half the tunes for a one-hour set with my bass player, Chum. Right. And at the end of it, I said, well, nobody walked out, and my bass player, Chum, who likes to roast me, said, well, to be fair, most of them couldn't. So, but it kept getting better. It, it kept, uh, it kept getting better. So, yeah. and, and, and here we are. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a lovely album. Oh, thank you. No, it's great. And, um, Herlin Riley and Amina Scott, they're your go-to trio. They were mates. the trio on the album in, uh, and as a jazz musician, you, you're probably aware this is possible and some people are just shocked, but musicians know you can do this. I didn't meet them until they arrived at the studio that day. Right. Uh, the producer uh, and engineer, recording engineer, uh, my co-producer, Chris Bookcher, is a Canadian who relocated to New Orleans, and we were friends, and he'd been saying, you should record down here, you should do an album down here. I had done one in 2013 uh, with different musicians, terrific ones, and that um, songs my daughter knows. And I hadn't done another, I had done another one in the meantime, but done it in Toronto. I always liked recording in New Orleans. There's just something in the water. And... Uh, he, uh, the other studio had cl- since closed and he said, you know, why don't you do something here? And, and then when this came up, um, at the behest of an agent friend who said she'd take me on if I, on the condition that I did a vocal album, because she, if that's when I'm going to pitch to clubs and to festivals, I got to have something with vocals on it because your albums are all yeah. instrumental. So, uh, Chris said, yeah, do it here. I said, great. Who do we use? And he said, I'm on it and suggested some great musicians. Uh, Amina is absolutely wonderful. And they're so nice, honestly, and just a pleasure to work with. Uh, Chris knew Amina from the New Orleans Jazz Orchestra. Uh, She's relatively young. She's not even 30. And uh, Herlin is a couple, got a couple years on me. 
the thing that got me with Herlin was that he's on one of the first jazz albums I had. I was a bit late to the party and didn't come to the world of the great American songbook, the standards until the movie when Harry met Sally around 1987, oh. 88 and loved the Harry Connick Jr. Material on the, on the soundtrack went and got the other two existing at the time, Harry Connick albums and Herlin's on the first one. Oh. And here I am in the studio with him. So it was, it was a little trippy and just the nicest guy. And we were wearing nearly identical flat caps. So we were immediate, you know, we were immediately friendly over that. And uh, yeah, I would work with those guys anytime. And I wish I lived, uh, I wish, you know, I wish we lived in the same area so I could call them for gigs. Right. But But they're busy folks. They're absolutely amazing. Sure. And as you say, there's something in the water, isn't there in New Orleans? It's, there was a uh, an HBO series called Treme um, from the oh, yeah. fellow who, d- who did David Simon created The Wire and Homicide Life on the Street. And uh, Treme was set in Katrina about six months. The first season was six months after uh, uh, after Katrina, six months after Katrina. And I read a review that was criticizing it, saying if you go by this show, like everybody in New Orleans plays an instrument and can cook. And as somebody who's in New Orleans pretty much every year, I'm, I'm reading it going, yeah, and what's your point? Yeah. Because everybody plays an instrument and can cook, it seems like. And I, I remember what my wife and I were walking down Decatur Street in the French Quarter, and we heard something coming from uh, around the corner right by the House of Blues. This amazing trumpeter and this great drummer. And we were like, oh, the House of Blues, they must be doing sound check. Like, is it, who is it? Is it, uh, you know, Roy Hargrove? Is it yeah. is some, one, um, one of the, you know, the younger, you know, newer cats that we know from uh, the New Orleans scene? And we get around the corner and it was just two high school kids busking. The right. place wasn't even open. The high uh, school kids like yeah. can play circles around a lot yeah. of a, a lot of the adults. It's just yeah, it really is. It's just in the water. It's it, part of growing up there. So yeah, it's uh, it must come. It must feel so natural to, yeah. to play it when you grow up there. Absolutely, and such a great place for you to then go and record this album. Oh, it was a treat. Yeah, hot, yeah. but it was a treat. Right. <laughs> okay. August in New Orleans. Oh yeah, yeah. I I gather that's not great. Um. So. Uh, at this point in the podcast, I want to play one of my favorite tracks on this album, and that is "Everybody Wants to Be a Cat." Ah, I, <laughs> I was wondering what track. it. Yeah, I love I love that tune. It's a great tune, isn't it? Everybody wants to be a cat. Because a cat's the only cat Who knows where it's at Everybody's picking up on the feline beat Cause everything else is obsolete Beware of a square If he offers to share his milk to sip If it hasn't been tried I suggest you provide your own catnip I've heard some corny birds who tried to sing But still the cat's the only cat Who knows how to swing I've heard between two furry friends might be old hat But everybody wants to be a cat 
I, I had never played it before the pandemic. I, I mean, because of the, all the live streaming I did during uh, COVID, uh, I did pick up a lot of new tunes. Time in a Bottle was also on the album, the Jim Crochet tune. Crochet tune, And uh, I had never played it till it was a request while I was live streaming. Uh, that one, uh, we have my wife as a, uh, an adult uh, nephew who's autistic, but loves Disney tunes. And he was stuck at his group home. So for uh, not... Ter- not as often as I would like, but um, I would post on directly to his Facebook page me playing a Disney tune, and they were all instrumental except for that one. And it, I like, oh, I remember this tune. This was in the first movie night I ever had in elementary school. Had you know when I was like five or six, I saw this, and uh, I so I had a stab at the vocal. And unlike most tunes, it was already in a good vocal key for me. And so I ended up adding it to my repertoire and just got hooked on it. So it was just a happy accident. I, I happened to pick up a tune that I had known for 50 years. Yeah, it's a great track. It Your vocal just seems to fit so well in it. Oh, thank you for that. And I got to kick it. I, I'm, I'm digging how many folks are picking up on the intro because it's an old, uh, uh, the old instrumental standard alley cat. It and, is. Uh, we yeah. threw on there as, a, and I said, "How about this?" And then Herlin played that sort of trash can choked cymbal thing at the beginning, and I'm like, "Done. Let's do it. That's got to be on there." Yeah, yeah. Um, talking of mashing tracks together, um, I loved the recent Joshua Redman album, and he does the same thing where he kind of goes, "Oh, this one kind of goes with this one," and then you know, they it's like, "Well, how has no one ever done that before?" I love that. And it's yeah. such a uh, arranging other arranging ideas aside. It's such a, it's such a obvious thing to make, put your own signature on, on a tune. Like that's, yeah. you know, people have done the tune, uh, but uh, that, you know, that one, I don't, I don't know if anybody else has used alley cat as an intro. No. Anybody wants to be a cat. No. So yeah, that one, that one I can probably say, ah, that's ours. That's our yeah. version. Absolutely. So uh, what, what's next? You, uh, I really want to do a Christmas album. I uh, I did some Christmas shows uh, here, and m- my late mother she uh, she passed uh, about a year before uh, COVID, and she was one to take out the Christmas albums in October. Yeah, and and she had she, it was a heck of a collection, and a lot of the t- a lot of the Christmas albums turned me on to artists I might not have known otherwise. And long story short, there was uh, two competing snow tire companies here in the late 60s, early 70s. You go get your snow tires put on and you could buy a, an LP uh, of Christmas tunes, a compilation with, branded by them, Firestone, Bridgestone. Oh, okay. And it would be a, a compilation album of Christmas tunes. And we had all of them from both companies because my dad would get the tires put on at one place, give them the, the 25 cents or a dollar for the album, and then go to the other one and slip the guy a couple bucks to just get it without having to right. you know, give them his business, yeah. their business, our business. And it was, so that those albums were where I discovered Burl Ives, Perry Como, um, Mahalia Jackson, Mormon Tabernacle Choir, Andy and Roger Williams, and a big one for me, Johnny Mathis. Okay. And uh, the, those have st- stayed with me. So I, if I, if I get to do the Christmas album the way I would like, I'd even package it to resemble one of the Firestone Christmas <laughs> albums with the big bow on the cover. Yeah. So that, that's, that's, on, that's, uh, that's a must for me. And yeah. I'd like to do a Great American Songbook album 
uh, just straight up entirely standards, but with the verses from the Broadway shows. Uh, right. I, yeah. I really, dig, I really dig doing the deep dives into those and finding out what the storyline was, because often the lyrics don't make any sense out of context. But if you know the plot, you know the characters. And often if you know the verse, it impacts how you approach the lyrics for the standard itself. So tunes yeah. that you thought were romantic are actually quite bittersweet or dark even. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, the the Great American Songbook is something that is the gift that keeps on giving, isn't it? It really is. And it, it's funny to think how uh, I was reading up on one of the tunes uh, just yesterday. Um, I'll think of the title probably as soon as we're done. But it was a case of the tune uh, was popular and then it disappeared for like 20 years and then Sinatra did it again after all these years and everybody's like oh yeah that tune and you'd have Sinatra having it at number one and then somebody else has it at number two just two months later yeah and to now it's now it's funny to think but that was before the the singer slash songwriter thing was normal it was two different very very different trades it seems absolutely yeah and now you wouldn't have you know Ariana Grande doing thank you next and then two months later uh, Shania Twain doing a version of Thank You Next. It just isn't, it just isn't done. It was no. weird to me when Natalie Cole did Pink Cadillac and it had only been a couple of years since Springsteen. Yeah. So, but at the time you could have th competing versions of several, t of the same tune, mm -hmm. uh, you know, trying to nudge each other out for number one of, you know, whose was the favorite. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Well, that's uh, those, both of those ideas sound brilliant. So keep me posted and uh, I'd love um, to have you back when one of those comes out. Well, I appreciate you having me on. This has been a lot of fun. It's been great. It's been really lovely to talk to you, Jim. Thank you so Wonderful. much for your time. Thank you. Have a, have a great day. Yeah, you too. Okay. And uh, okay. best wishes to your wife too. I'll pass them on. Thanks so okay. much. Thanks. Okay. okay. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. you take in every move you make every bond you break every step you take I'll be watching you every single day and every word you say every game you play every night you stay I'll be watching you Thank you for joining me for this episode of Harmonious World. What you're listening to now is Jim's version of Every Breath You Take. Thank you for joining me once more for Harmonious World.
Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Harmonious World. My name is Hilary Seabrook and it's a great delight to bring this series of discussions with musicians and composers and writers and all sorts of people to you. Obviously, there's no point in having a podcast if people aren't listening and I'm very grateful to my listeners for doing so. Thanks also to Joe English for composing and performing this new theme tune. So wherever you get your podcast, you can leave a review. You can share this with your friends and family, either as a link or on social media and that sort of thing. I'd be really grateful for that. Don't forget that you can subscribe now. There's a link wherever you get your podcasts. So have a great week and please remember why I started this, which is just to try and make the world a little more harmonious. Thanks for listening to Harmonious World.